0: Rise,
1: rise, rise! Rise. 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 Hello and welcome to Rise of RevOps. This episode features an interview with Asia Corbett, Senior Revenue Operations Manager, GTM at Bread Financial. Bread Financial is a leading provider of simple, personalized payment, lending, and saving solutions. She has worked as a financial analyst, business intelligence analyst and was leader of RevOps at multiple SaaS companies, and most recently served as head of revenue and community operations at RevGenius. On this episode, Asia discusses the importance of internalizing RevOps frameworks, the strategy behind her tech stack, and why developing your management style is a game changer. But first, a brief word from our sponsor. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview with Asia Corbett, Senior Revenue Operations Manager, GTM at Red Financial, and your host, Ian Faison.
2: Welcome to Rise RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by a special guest. Asia, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
2: Doing wonderful. So excited to have you on the show talking about RevOps, talking about the cool stuff that you all have going on at Bread Financial and everything in between. So, first off, tell us a little bit about Bread Financial.
0: Yeah. So, we're a fintech company. Um, I primarily support the organization that's um, our buy now, pay later product. So, you know, think like Klarna, Afterpay, Affirm. And the larger bread financial suite is like in banking.
2: Awesome. And tell us a little bit about uh your, your role in RevOps.
0: Yeah, so I'm one of two senior revenue operations managers on the team. We are currently a team of five, which is awesome because I've been on smaller teams <laughs> in the last couple of years. So it's it's kind of cool to be on a team again. I'm primarily responsible for sales supporting sales, our solutions team um, and marketing. Then our other senior manager supports success and partnership. So we really do cover like the full revenue flywheel, all the all of the core revenue generating departments. It's a mix of project management, process improvement. I do some systems stuff and reporting, building a lot of reports and dashboards.
2: You've been in the in the field for a little while. How would you define RevOps?
0: Little while. RevOps is the discipline. Oh my gosh, this is going to sound like, like in my <laughs> a pitch, but it's the discipline that supports the business processes, the systems, the data insights reporting, and enablement that power your revenue generating teams, all of them. So it's not just sales, it's not just marketing, it's Whatever your teams are, we have, you know, sales, marketing solutions, partnerships, success. All of those teams are revenue generating functions. They impact our revenue generation. So our team is really supporting all of the the underlying foundation that allows them to do their jobs.
2: And so do you think your your RevOps team is is different from other folks? How does it how does it stack up? How does it compare to other RevOps or, or go to market teams?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, so I've been in in operations for a long time, and, and different operational roles. Some of them business operations, some of them are specialized like sales ops. And what I've noticed over the years, even in like more mature organizations, the way that operations teams run is there's still like we can improve the way that we operate as a team, the revenue ops operations teams. And so um, we kind of have adopted sort of a agile product org approach to revenue operations and how our team works. So, for example, we have a sprint cadence. It's how we're organizing our work. You know, trying to lean into project management principles because lots of things have lots of things that we're working on have stakeholders from different departments and a lot of moving pieces and dependencies. And so those are important um, things to, to include in your practice. Um, So I think there's a couple of, of other people and peers in the community I've talked to that are like doing some, some sprints and they're using agile frameworks. Um, But I think that we, that is still not the norm. A lot of teams are still trying to figure that out, especially teams of one. And I came from that side of things too, whereas in series A, small companies where I'm a team of one and I'm like, okay, what do I, how do I manage being in revenue operations, even as a team of one, right?
2: Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, you came into this role as a senior revenue operations manager, what were those first 90 days like? How did you come into it? What was your mindset like? What'd you do? What'd you not do?
0: Yeah, well, it was funny that you say that because I actually had a plan <laughs> um, of what I wanted to kind of do. Uh, a lot of the first 90 days is learning. Like you have to learn your company and like the go to market motions, like just kind of the high level stuff, how everything is organized. Uh, stakeholders you'll be working with, but we were finishing like a merge and the Bread Financial and the the startup arm that I joined merged into one company. And so there we're going through this whole brand transformation. I joined like at the tail end of that. So instead of getting to do my proper RevOps onboarding, I kind of got quickly thrown into to a lot of things. We did like a email client migration, which impacted the entire company, not just our team. But there are a lot of, you know, with, with sales and marketing, email is a core part of your business processes. So there were lots of things that we had to work on and jump in on that had nothing to do with me my onboarding and me thinking, okay, well, let's get operating cadences set up. Let's get our PM tool set up. Like those were things that I was kind of thinking about doing in the first 90 days. Didn't get around to doing until later because we're going through that whole sort of company wide merge. A little bit post 90 days, you know, getting our sprint framework established. That was big. Building out some sets of dashboards, I mean, doing an analysis on what we have and what what we can keep and what needs to be built new. My boss has been there for three years, so she's built a pretty good foundation, like especially around Salesforce, which is our CRM and our source of truth. So there's a lot of things established already. So then there's a process improvement element that we're thinking about. Okay, how can we optimize? How can we iterate? How can we grow? So those were things I was thinking about in the first 90 days, but really... <laughs> It was a lot of chaos because of company stuff that was outside of our team's control.
2: Okay, let's get to our first segment, Rev Obstacles.
1: Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to
2: what? There's your obstacle. Where we talk about all those tough parts of RevOps. What's the hardest RevOps problem you've had to face in the last 6 months?
0: Oh, systems integrations, I think. Um, so it's challenging in the go-to-market tech ecosystem when you have lots of tools in your tech stack and you have to manage all of these integrations and make sure that data is standardized, flowing into different places, at the right time, the right place, for the right people. And then helping like other teams also understand that, that's been a challenge my entire career. That's it's a challenge everywhere I've gone. (laughs) And it's like, well, you can't just add another tool to the tech stack. You have to think about do we really need the tool? Are there tools that also have that functionality where we can consolidate a little bit more? Because what happens is you gotta monitor all those integrations and make sure that. Nothing's breaking. Like HubSpot and Salesforce, for example, is a really classic one. If like one of the forms that we change doesn't get updated in another landing page, leads don't get routed. And that's actually a problem we're we're, like fixing right now. Um, So we have a email alerts and a queue and like, okay, these are not getting assigned. Why not? Then you got to go into the, the systems and see, is it a Salesforce issue or is it a HubSpot issue? And that takes time, and only a few people on the team can do that. So it's like, how can we make that better?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm curious, like how do you balance supporting so many departments with sales, marketing, customer success, and it's a little bit different at your org, but supporting all the different revenue functions when there's many mouths to feed?
0: Oh gosh, I mean, it, it's a challenge for sure. Prioritization is is really important. Like having a that process on your team, but also the senior leaders, like the revenue leadership needs to have goals and you have to understand how all the work that you're doing is aligning to those goals. Even if you don't have, like, even if you're not using an OKR framework specifically or or a goal framework, having like, okay, in Q3, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. So, how is all of the work that's bubbling up from all the departments aligned to that and driving those uh, initiatives? And if they're not, you have to say, "Hey, you realize this thing that you're asking me for doesn't align with those things." That's re- really important because otherwise, it's hard to say, "Hey, I can't do this because it's gonna not it's gonna negatively impact these initiatives that we're doing." So, on the on the sides where your team is smaller or your team of one, that like sort of. The PM part of it, the project management side of things is going to be really important because I was able to organize all of my work in the tool and sort of build out a roadmap for things that I would be delivering. And I would do it by the year for a year and then break it down by the quarter. And then with the understanding that, of course, things can change, but like here is sort of the plan. So there's a section for sales stuff, there's a section for marketing and there's a section for CS. And then you can see kind of how, all the projects for lab or where they might cross and it's uh, then you can take that to the the departments and say hey here's all of your initiatives but guess what these also touch these other departments here's all of the things that we're working on i'm i'm or we're working on and something is just like don't get done ultimately even on a big team things aren't always going to get done so what we're doing now similar and it helps that there's a little bit more There are a few more people to spread the work around, Um, but I'll put in uh, my stuff into our our tool, uh, which we're using is called Nifty and I'll categorize it as sales or marketing or solutions or whatever and put it into the, we have a sprint planning meeting every um, Monday and we kind of go through the backlog, move things around. Like, is it still going to be released in this sprint? If not, we'll move it. And then we sort of manage it that way. We are working on building out a more formalized intake process. So when people have requests of our team, they can submit a form, and then that will like go into a queue. That's how I've done it in the past. Our stakeholders have a form and they can say, I need a new field in Salesforce, or I need a data mass data um, change, or I want to I want a new sales tool." And it goes into a a form and it goes into a queue and then it gets prioritized that way.
2: Love it. Have you had a a, a rev oops moment in the past year?
0: I've had a couple of rev oops moments in the past year. Um,
2: Or it could be from previous companies.
0: Yeah. So typically the best practice for making changes in Salesforce specifically is to go through a sandbox environment, right? So you can test everything, and then, then push it into production. And I, <laughs> there were just there were a few times where I just built directly in production, and I'm like, oh yeah, should have should have done that in the sandbox first, as I was trying to be fast. And I'm like, this one's a low, probably a low impact change. Like it's just a new field. It's not connected to anything else. not con- connected to automation, but it didn't hit the sandbox refresh interval. So it didn't make it in the sandbox. So then the sandbox refreshed and then it pushed changes back to production. So it overwrote my changes.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've all been there.
0: So I'm like, what? uh, Should have gone through the sandbox. I've had also some in my previous uh, positions where that HubSpot Salesforce integration in the back end, there's this like Sync, Sync Health Mm -hmm. settings um, page that you probably should monitor because um, it'll tell you like how many records are affected by the sync errors. And when those records are affected, it means they're not pushing into Salesforce because it's a box and there's a big number and there's a small number. The big number is like the type of error. And then the small number is how many records are actually affected. So you might see a four and think, oh, the four is not a big deal. But underneath it says, 10,000 records affected because these pick list values are not matching Salesforce. I means so those 10,000 leads aren't getting pushed into Salesforce if they might or, you know, the qualified ones aren't. And uh, so I fixed that that time and it pushed, yeah, about a thousand leads into Salesforce. The sales team was <laughs> like, what are these? My boss was like, what are these? Are these leads? Were they qualified? because that's revenue on (laughs) the (laughs) table because that sink error was kind of sitting there for a while and uh so yeah so i was like oh you know what we need we need a data governance like framework and an audit cadence so that we're managing these things so that they don't fall through the cracks uh but that's also hard to do when you're a team of one as well because that's a heavy lift um creating a whole framework and and auditing your systems by yourself but important
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get to our next segment, the Tool Shed.
0: Hey, hey Brandon,
2: Michael, want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed? This is my favorite place. (laughs) The Tool Shed. Get off the shed! We're talking tools, spreadsheets, metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B Tool Shed is complete without Qualified. Go to Qualified.com right now and check them out. Asia, what's in your toolbox? Tool shed. <laughs> toolkit?
0: <laughs> well, in my toolbox, my tool, my toolkit, uh, Salesforce, CRM, Hubspot, Marketing Automation Platform, Dial Pad for Dialer, Insight Squared for Visualization, Data, Zoom for Meetings. We're rolling out XCI, for so conversational intelligence. Sales engagement platform, Groove. So, I think, like outside of the brands, <laughs> the companies, the core pieces you probably need CRM, marketing automation, sales engagement platform. Sort of it's like really the top. Uh, and an enrichment tool because you need contact data, obviously. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think those are the top four. And I'm partial to Salesforce. I know that HubSpot is coming up and coming with their CRM functionality. So, if you're a smaller company or you have less budget, like y- you could use that. It's really about setting the tools up correctly to support your business process and not the other way around. Buying the tool first because of the shiny marketing, but not understanding if it's going to fit your use case or the functionalities even there. So, I think those are the core, but like my favorite tool.
2: Yeah, that's what's going to be my next thing. I was just saying, what's new? <laughs> what's what's the what can what can you not live without?
0: Uh, I can't live without, but I am living without it for right now. Is Lean Data? Oh yeah, yeah. That I mean, the three time user of Lean Data, I have self implemented it before. Like it's just the company is a revenue operations thought leader. Evan Liang is a thought leader in revenue operations. They I respect their like their ethos a lot. And the product is good. So <laughs> they're a lead routing. Um, that's how they like, kind of started out. It's like lead routing and lead to account matching. And it's a Salesforce app. So unfortunately, it doesn't work for other CRMs. But they have really increased like the functionality over the years. There's so many really cool things that you can do. I think that's probably not, like outside of just lead to account matching, you can do territory management. They have a feature called list analyzer. So you can check for duplicates before you upload a list. And I use that, used that for when marketing would have events. And then they're like, okay, here for the event, can you upload these as campaign members? I'm like, okay, great. Do these people exist already as leads and contacts? And then it gives you the salesforce id so i don't have to go like find vlookup match those to upload them because that's what you need you need that id to mass upload them so there's that there's like if you use outreach there's an outreach partner integration that you can use lean data to trigger sequences versus the triggers in outreach which are more limited like with the like, now I'm getting nerdy and technical, but the outre- outreach te- triggers are a little bit more limited with the criteria that you can use to trigger stuff. I like guess just like a smaller scope of things you can do, right? So the automation is not as powerful on that side, but Lean Data is, and Lean Data sits inside Salesforce, so you can build it all in Salesforce. Um, and the routing, like you can have complex routing rules. There's round robin. There's like work load balancing, so you can say if someone has too many leads, like, pass it to the next person. You can set that up. Yeah, I mean, like there's, I can't say enough good things <laughs> about data. And then, other tool, I'm a huge Asana. I'm an Asana diehard.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. we are too. That's how we build yes. the show. Everything we do yeah. is Asana.
0: It's an Asana, yeah. Cool. So, like, <laughs> we're using Nifty right now, which is fine. But I, I do really like Asana. And then... I think another, like, freebie for anyone who's in RevOps is Google Sheets. We've built a lot of things in Google Sheets. Like, I built...
2: My next question, tell me about the spreadsheets.
0: Data Dictionary in Google Sheets. Like, they're just very flexible, and you can use them for a lot of different things. So we're doing, like, commission calculations in our, in our Google Sheets right now. We're doing forecasting in Google Sheets. Right now, um, but we do do a lot of reporting in other places. Like we have Looker, um, that's like all of the data, um, the R B I tool for all of our data, and then Insights Grid is like go-to-market data, so sales and marketing, a little bit of success data, but it's primarily used for for sales and marketing right now. And then of course we have a lot of Salesforce dashboards that we use. We're getting really good at putting stuff into. Uh, Salesforce, and, and Insight Squared, at least on the, the go-to-market side.
2: I love the spreadsheets info. That's great. You, st- you stole my stole my next question.
0: <laughs> Do you have
2: any blind spots that you wish you could measure better?
0: I think this is a challenge for other RevOps practitioners and teams as well. as like product or usage, or you know, for us it's like financial data that doesn't get pushed into the CRM. And so we like have to go but back and forth between Looker and Salesforce. Part of that's for commissions. Part of it's for other, like, how are we doing? Or like, if we want to do, redefine our territories or something, or if we want to do TAM analysis, it's kind of like just very disjointed, not all tied together. So it makes that kind of analysis more challenging. And the thing about like putting that onto the data team is that, they're farther away from the business context than revenue operations is, you know? So it would be awesome if we could get some of that data into our Salesforce environment and um, in other past companies too, it's been like product data, like the usage data. Not everything should go into the CRM. Like the CRM shouldn't be the CDP, but there could be key product data points that can tie in with all the Salesforce information, your other go-to-market information that you need. Like that's, I think, key.
2: It's interesting that you say that we were just having a conversation last episode where we were talking about kind of matching the 30,000 foot view of the customer journey to RevOps and making sure that that's like on the exact same page So that RevOps knows like all the different pieces of the customer journey, like really well, so that you can diagnose when there's issues, like, is this, you know, where's the leak and where's the actual water coming from versus where's like the water, you know, we were talking about like, you know, if it's, if it's the blueprint of the house, right? It's like, oh, it looks like we have a leak on the first floor, but in reality, we have a leak on the third floor and you just can't see it, right? Right
0: right right that's another thing that i use a google sheet for is the that customer journey template
2: yeah but so anyways it's interesting that you that you say that the product information kind of feeding back into because it's such a great point that when especially like if you're constantly deploying and product is changing something and you don't necessarily know about it that reporting that stuff back into crm might never happen unless you have some sort of you know push or automation
0: Yep. It was, it was a very manual process to go into, you could do one or two things like this, the AM the account manager or CSM could either log into the platform and manually click through each account and look on the account landing page in the platform, which is extremely inefficient, not scalable, or go into Amplitude. But Amplitude is really built for like product managers. It's And product people. It's not built for the AMs and CSMs and doesn't have a good integration with Salesforce. Yeah, we were like going back and forth with engineering about okay, we need to push some, we need to write some information back to Salesforce. Should we do it in house with our engineering team, like write the script and use API, or we could go buy a middleware slash integrator tool? Then we could use that in the entire ecosystem with. You know our marketing automation and all the other tools. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty big gap, and we're like talking strategically and in, in about how to to bridge that gap now.
2: Any other uh, spreadsheet stuff tips, ideas?
0: Oh, um, there's a there's a couple of plugin or Chrome extensions. One is the G Sheet Connector, so you can connect Salesforce and Google Sheets. That's pretty cool. And there's another one that's called ZapX. Hmm. So those are two like Salesforce, Google Sheet, Chrome extensions that I'm like playing around with.
2: Anything else cool that you're doing with data or anything that's like surprised you?
0: So this PM tool that we're using, the reporting in the tool isn't that great. So what I've done is I export a CSV and put it into Google Sheet. Um, so that we can show like what kind of work we're doing. Um, and it's broken out by the RevOps pillars, so process strategy systems, which is like Salesforce, HubSpot, one of our go-to-market tools, anything that's like a configuration or automation, new, uh, new tools, stand-up and imp- implementation. That's all in the systems category, reporting, and then uh, enablement. So, and then by department. So we're able to see, like I just throw it into a pivot table and put charts on it so that it's easy to communicate to senior leadership like, hey, our team in this last sprint, 50% of what we delivered was systems-based, 30% was process-based, you know, 20% was um, enablement. So they're able to see that very easily. Like, oh, this is what RevOps is doing. And then there's a category down from the the pillars. And it's like, Was this build a report and dashboard or was it uh, uh, a new feature request or was it a business process change? Was it an automation? Like there's more, a little bit more granularity. So if we wanted to, we could pivot that as well. Um, And then so it's by each sprint, right? So every month, what is the breakdown of the work and which department is it for? Like right now it's mostly sales, but that could change. That's cool. Um, and then we have data around our our territories, which are vertical based. So next kind of interesting thing that we'll be doing is looking as we're like further, you know, solidifying our ICP and all that stuff is checking in Looker to see which verticals perform best um over time. That's the next kind of maybe big analysis project that's on my mind.
2: All right, let's get to our Final segment. Quick hits.
0: Quick. 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 quick.
2: Quick questions and quick answers. Asia,
0: are you ready? Oh boy, I'm ready. Let's go.
2: Number one. If you could make any animal any size, what animal would it be and what size?
0: Whoa! Oh my gosh. Hmm. I know this is supposed to be quick.
2: Oh, that's all right. It's a very difficult question.
0: <laughs> Any animal. It'd be kind of cool to have something to put in my pocket. Maybe like a mini elephant. A mini elephant, a po- pocket sized elephant. <laughs> I know
2: I want it. That's always my answer. Yeah. I want a pocket sized elephant. I want like a like a like a oh, dock. Yeah.
0: Little baby. Elephant. Yeah. Like Elephants little, are good luck in high cultures. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There you go. I feel like perfectly pocket sized if we just had more of them.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
2: Do you have a favorite movie character of all time or maybe just one that you like,
0: man? Like I, I watched so many movies, but I don't remember, like not a lot of them are super memorable. Huge Harry Potter fan also read the books. So yeah, Harry Potter, um, I watched the matrix trilogy. Trinity was my favorite character from that. Um, I also really liked Lord of the Rings
2: all three Legolas. of my, all three of my faves as well.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got to three.
2: What is one skill set that RevOps leaders should invest in improving?
0: Project management, process management skills, hands down. Be the become the best PM that you can.
2: If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
0: I wish I could fly.
2: <laughs> is there a RevOps misconception? that's out there that you want to clear up?
0: I they, I believe this is still a misconception because I see it all the time. Revenue operations is sales operations rebranded and that centralized operations doesn't work, but it does. Revenue operations is all, you support the core revenue generating departments. That is includes marketing and it includes post-sales, CS, whatever, account management, whatever that side is, whoever's responsible for upsells, cross-sells and renewals that team, that should also be included in um, the revenue operations wheelhouse.
2: Do you have a RevOps prediction for the future?
0: I see companies starting to really internalize the RevOps framework, because that's the important piece, right? The process, the systems, the insights, the enablement. That's the pillars, and you have to have those and understand those, and the leadership has to be bought into those um, those pillars that support all of the, the revenue-generating functions. If not, you're not setting your team up or your organization up for success. But I see this uh, future moving that way.
2: Final question. What is your best advice for someone newly leading a RevOps team?
0: Newly leading? Um Yeah, so I would say that like people management skills are really important because managing processes and like managing stakeholders, that's completely different from having to actually manage direct reports. And companies don't always give you that training. Um, So (laughs) understanding like that people work differently and people have different skill sets and sometimes Sometimes you have people who need a little bit more hand-holding than others or need a little bit more attention. That's, like, normal. I mean, it's part of people Or – you'll have a, a range of people on your team. And the more that you can try to understand, you know, like, what drives them and, like, how they work and how they communicate, the better you'll be at getting them to do stuff. Because um, I've had to manage people before, and that's something I had to realize. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I see. People are adults and they will do their jobs, but you just have to understand them a little bit more. So, like leadership style, sort of defining developing your leadership and people management style for leading a team is important. And then the other part is like the operating the framework as much as you can, get your team on like a sprint cadence, it's a way to manage the work, right? So that you can like manage that, but then also report it up to the organization and say, here's what my team is doing. Cause that's the thing that gets asked a lot. Well, we don't know what RevOps does. Well, here it is. Here's our roadmap. Here's our, our sprint release schedule. Here's what we're gonna deliver.
2: I love it. Asia. that's it. That's all we got for today. Any uh any final thoughts? Anything to plug?
0: Um, oh plugs. Oh my gosh. Uh I I mean, you know, I'm a huge advocate. Um, for people getting into revenue operations and empowering people in that sense too. So like, you know, I'm always open to questions or people want to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know, my inbox is open. Just say like, if you can do one thing outside of getting a Salesforce certification, invest in your PM skills. They are, will help you so much. Like that has helped me more than knowing Salesforce. Oh, they're like neck and neck, but a little bit more. The <laughs> PM skills, I'm telling you, you will not regret knowing how to put together a project plan, knowing how to cross communicate cross functionally and stand up, you know, project teams and organize work. It's so important.
2: I love it. Thanks again. We appreciate it and uh, we'll talk soon.
0: Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.